Lord, that is our prayer, and we ask that you would use what you say in the Bible to help us be like you. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's a guy by the name of Hugh Morehouse who was writing a book, and as part of his research, he sent letters to 250 of the smartest people that he could think of, university professors. And he asked them this question, what is the purpose of life? And do you know what the number one answer was from these professor types? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know was their number one answer. You'd think with answers like that that college would cost less, wouldn't you? (laughs) Some kind of I don't know discount. Now, if you were here last week, you're smarter than those professors because I told you the answer to that question. And if you missed it, see what you missed? The purpose of life. All fall, we have been talking about the kingdom of God. How does up there come down here in me, my church, and my world? And last week, we talked about the same story we read today, about the three servants. And what Jesus is getting at in this story is that the purpose of life is not just to acquire more stuff or climb the corporate ladder. As we said last week, the purpose of life is not to live a low-risk, high-comfort life, The purpose of life is to know God intimately and then to partner with him in building his kingdom. Now, I find that thrilling. God wants me to be his business partner. How cool is that? And just like the master does in this story, God gives us some stuff to do that with. He gives us some time, some talent, and some money. And he says, what I want you to do is invest some of this, just like a business partner would, invest some of this in my kingdom business. And one of the things I just love about all of you as a congregation is that you do this. You are a very generous congregation. You're generous with your time and your talents by how you serve. You're generous with your money, especially this year, as you not only are meeting the needs of this church, but gave to Stevenson and tsunami victims and hurricane victims. You are a generous congregation. And I just want to say thank you so much for being that way. You are doing what God asks. Now, last week, when I talked about this parable, I focused on time and talent, and so that leaves just the third T, treasure, which is what I'm going to talk about today. Now, if you're like me, you may have just tuned me out, sort of like I do when I'm flipping through the channels and watching TV and see some pledge drive, right? What do I do? I hit the button, you know, next channel. Right? Some of you right now might, might be hoping that the pastors come with remote control so you can hit the mute button. But there is no mute button on me, sorry. And if you're visiting, I want you to know we don't talk about this every week. You can just, and we're not going to ask anything from you. You can just sort of sit and enjoy everyone else hearing it. <laughs> but as many of you know, in the Old Testament... God asked his people to give at least 10% of everything they earned to help run the temple and get his work done. It was called a tithe. And I believe he gave that to us not to be onerous and miserable, but because it brings us joy. That's what, the, that's what the master says to his two servants. Enter your master's joy. Jesus came along and he upped the ante a little bit. He said giving should be sacrificial, which might mean more than 10% for some of us. But I'll save that for another sermon. So you're off the hook for today. And God said, if you do this, if you serve, if you give your time and talent, and yes, your treasure, 
You will be blessed. You will have joy. Trust me on this. You're going to like it. And I can honestly say that that has been true in my life. Tithing has given me a ton of joy as well as serving. For two reasons. The first is it's shown me that God is real. Because I give and I give and He still provides for me. And that, more than anything in my life, has shown me that God is real because of how He provides in spite of how I give. And I find that cool. What philosophers and scholars and professors in universities have debated for ages, is God real? I can prove with a mere 10% of my income. To me, that's a good investment. But for me, the real thrill of giving doesn't have to do with that. The real thrill of giving is that it's one more way that I get to partner with God in building His kingdom. And I just think, again, what a privilege that God says to us, I want you to be my business partner in this. That's why Christine and I give the first 10% of everything we make to the church. We give to other organizations as well, but only after we've given 10% to the church, and here's why. Because I believe the local church is the hope of the world. I believe the local church is the hope of the world. It is God's chosen instrument through which He wants to build His kingdom. It's not government. It's not charitable groups, as good as they are. I believe the local church is the hope of the world. Because only the local church can not only meet people's needs, but do it in a way that also introduces them to the God who loved them enough to die for them. I believe the local church is the hope of the world. And I believe very strongly that this particular local church is doing a great job of bringing hope. We have a great story as a church. A church that was planted on the east side back when Bellevue only had one stoplight. And when all the Presbyterian poobahs said, why would anyone go to church in Bellevue when you can go to church in Seattle? Right? And for a church that started by meeting in a funeral home, we showed a lot of life. <laughs> and we've been bringing hope ever since, helping start things like local food relief, supporting villages in Guatemala, raising up generations of believers through our Sunday school. And we want to keep doing that and bring even more hope. See these people? Recognize them? That's a picture of some of you. And they're good-looking people, aren't they? Very handsome. And these people have needs. Needy, needy people. And that's why I am grateful that you make it possible for us to pay a staff who can be available to pray with people before surgery or support people who are going through a divorce or the loss of a loved one. Only the church can offer that kind of caring community where people are not only cared for emotionally, but spiritually. Another need we all have is to connect to God regularly. One of the best ways to do that is through music because it opens not just our heads, but our hearts to God. That's why I'm grateful that, that, you, are, that you support this church so we can create music here and in the, commun- in, in the community center to help us connect to God because that's what churches do. And not just for us in here, but for people out there as well. Last month, one of our second graders, who's part of our kids' choirs, decided she liked the kids' choir so much that she'd invite one of her schoolmates. The schoolmate came and she liked the kids' choir so much that she decided to bring her parents to church a couple weeks later. So they came on a Sunday and they loved it. They said it wasn't what they thought it would be. People were nice. (laughs) So thank you for being nice. And even though they couldn't quite figure out how to use the hymnal, they were grateful that we had someone to create those slides so the words were up there so they could sing along. You make that possible. Thank you. 
See these kids right here? (laughs) Extensive scientific research has discovered that these are the three cutest kids in America. (laughs) It's a scientific fact. Do not even argue with me. I happen to know their parents. They're pretty active here in the church. And they are doing their level best to teach these kids about Jesus, especially one of them. And to help them grow up to be like Jesus. And they're doing a pretty good job, but they need help. And that's what our children's ministries and our youth ministries do. They partner with parents to help raise kids who are like Jesus. And it's working in most cases. The kids in this church are already making a difference by doing things like baking cookies for homeless people during Sunday school or collecting over a hundred care kits for victims of the hurricane, as our youth did a few weeks ago. Only the church can partner with parents in raising kids that are like Jesus. And then there's all of the ways that we're reaching out as a church, and we want to do even more than that. This year, our elders, I'm so proud of them, our elders have voted to increase the money that we give to help other people. From now on, 20% of any budget increase in this church will automatically go to missions to care for the needs in our community and our world and to do it in the name of Jesus. One of the things we're currently doing is to support a school in a village in Cambodia that's been decimated by both floods and droughts. We're helping kids there get an education so they can get out of poverty. We also are providing food to some of the villagers in exchange for them working to dig a reservoir to save the water from the flood for the droughts. A while back, another missionary was coming through that village to show a film about Jesus, and the police showed up to shut it down because it was illegal. And the villagers all got mad, and they said to the policemen, look, it, it was the Christians who built the school. It was the Christians who gave us the food. So we want this man to show his film because we want to hear what he has to say. You made that happen. Thank you. And we're doing stuff like this all over the world. We support several churches in inner city Seattle who are transforming their neighborhoods. Some of the pastors of these churches have mortgaged their homes to keep the church running. I am so glad that we can come alongside of them, church to church. You make all of that possible. And we believe that God is calling us to do all of that and expand our reach, to to reach out to countries we haven't been to yet, like Sudan, And to create things like truly effective small groups. And to reach even more children. Just just to take care of the children we've got. I mean, they're coming in hordes, which is cool. But we're going to have to start hanging them from the rafters. (laughs) To me, all of that is very, very exciting. And the good news is, the good news is right now we have all the money we need to do all of that and more. The bad news is it's still in your pockets. Sorry. <laughs> but look, the, at least you didn't stone me. <laughs> the, the real issue here is not a guilt trip. I don't want to put a guilt trip on you because that's not the real issue. The real issue isn't about fundraising. To me, the real issue is, and I mean this honestly and not just pastors say this sort of thing, it is just a thrill to be a part of all of that. 
for me with our time, our talent, and our treasure? And the question is not how much should I give. What a bummer of a question. The question is how much do I want to be a part of all of that? Again, if you're visiting today, we're not going to ask you for anything, but if this is your church home, we do this once a year, would you, you probably will have received a pledge card in the mail. If you haven't, you can pick one up here. And I'd invite you to pray about it and then come next week with a pledge for how much you believe God's asking you to contribute to this. Now, I know some of you may be struggling financially. For you, your gift may come in time or talent for a while. And as I said at the beginning, many of you are already giving generously. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep it up. You get to be part of helping people see Jesus. But I am the pastor, and I am supposed to say things like that, and I'm supposed to like weird things like tithing, because that's what I get paid for, I guess. So I've asked a member of our church here, a normal person who sits in the pews, to share her experience with giving, Claudia Campbell. And Claudia couldn't be here today, but she wrote out her testimony, and, this is, and she gave me permission to read it. And this is what she says. When I graduated from high school, I married my high school sweetheart. Well, sort of. I was in high school, and he was a dropout and illiterate. But we were in love. A year later, we had our son, Greg. At age two, we learned that Greg has tuberous sclerosis, which causes seizures and low mental acuity. This had a devastating effect on our marriage. My husband became abusive, both physically and verbally. We hit our all-time low when we found ourselves homeless and penniless. We lived out of the back of a pickup truck for several months and were forced to apply for food stamps and welfare. Finally, God led me to a job as a receptionist, and this allowed us to get back on our feet again. Soon after, however, my son started acting out in school. I switched him to a Christian school, and soon his problems disappeared. The pastor of the church that housed that school came to our home one evening to talk to us about faith in the church. It was at that time that I made Jesus my Lord and my Savior. This was the first time in my life where I actually felt like I wasn't alone. And I began praying and asking God to lead me. But soon my husband began the physical abuse again. But this time it ended with his arrest and me fleeing the state with nothing but two suitcases. At the age of 29, I found myself divorced with a nine-year-old son and about $5,000 in debt. But I found a wonderful job working as a bookkeeper. I then met my new husband, Howard, and within three months we purchased a home together. I say purchased, but charged is a better definition. Howard used his 401k and his visa for the down payment. I couldn't sleep at night worrying about our financial situation. So finally, I developed a plan to pay off all of our debts. We curtailed all of our entertainment and I cut up all of our credit cards. And then within two years, we were debt free. Finally, I was able to begin giving back to those in need. I made it my passion to give until it hurt. It started with Union Gospel Mission and then spread from there. I said that giving would become my passion. Today, my husband and I give more than 30% of our income to charity. We're now shifting more of our giving to the church. I've found that giving to our church provides me with the sense that I'm involved in the work being done. And I also appreciate the variety and breadth of the areas being served. Recently, we went through our wills and removed charities that didn't benefit the poor and the oppressed, and we added the church as a beneficiary. I've let this verse in the Bible lead me to greater giving. The one who plants generous, generously will get a generous crop. 
Ultimately, you each have to make up your own mind how much you should give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a cheerful giver. If anyone has cause to be anxious about money, it's Claudia. She's been homeless, on welfare, living out of the back of a pickup truck, and yet Claudia has discovered the freedom that comes from giving away some of what God has given us and see that he's real and see that he provides. And when she does that, she gets and sees all the great stuff we're doing as a church, she gets the joy of knowing that she's a part of that. She ended her testimony with the verse from the Bible that says, God loves a cheerful giver. The actual Greek word there for cheerful is hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. And that's what Claudia has become. And that's what I want to be. And I bet you do too. Several weeks ago, a boy named Kevin, who gets tutoring through our KidReach program, showed up here on a Sunday morning. Kevin lives with his grandmother because his mother and father aren't around and they they have some serious financial difficulties. Well, this summer, some people from our church had paid Kevin's way to go to our children's camp. And he developed a great relationship with one of our staff people there, Miss Laura. And as a result, he started to attend some of our our children's programs midweek. Well, a couple weeks ago, Kevin asked his grandmother if she'd take him to church here. They showed up about 9.15, didn't know when the services start, ran into John Nelson, another one of our staff people, who said, why don't you go to the 9.45 service and then afterwards come to one of our parenting classes. They loved it, both of them, and said, you know what, we're going to come back. That's just one example of the kind of thing that happens here all the time because you make it possible to make all of that happen. We have amazing possibilities as a church. A couple weeks ago, or a couple months ago now, actually, I, I, I was given the opportunity to go bless the Lincoln Tower. That's the skyscraper being built across from Bellevue Square. I had no experience blessing skyscrapers until then. <laughs> I didn't take that class in seminary, but I figured out how to do it. From the top, I could see everything. Cascade Mountains, Microsoft. I couldn't see Google from up there. (laughs) Microsoft, University of Washington, one of the great research institutions in the country, Port of Seattle, Gateway to the Pacific, Boeing, and all the companies that are part of that world with this worldwide reach, Starbucks, Amazon.com. I thought, what an incredible place we live in. With, With all of these organizations, with this worldwide reach, and in the center of it all, do you know what I could see? Our church. And on the top of our church, as clear as day, the cross of Jesus Christ. And I thought, that'll preach. What a great image of the opportunity God has given us as a church to be part of what he is doing in reaching this hugely strategic part of the country. And who does he ask to partner with him in that? Us. First Presbyterian Church, Bellevue. He says, won't you link arms with me and with each other to build my kingdom, to make up there, come down here in my church? On the east side, in King County, and to the ends of the earth. And those were taken off of uh, Microsoft, not Google. (laughs) What a huge privilege that is. What a joy that he asks us. Lord Jesus, help us to respond as much as we can to your gracious invitation to be part of what you're doing in reaching this part of the world. Thank you that you choose us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.